Let's be thankful. Dear Lord God, we're grateful for what you have before us, looking at it in the Word, and we'd ask that you would be opening up our minds and um, uh, submissions to what St. Paul wrote in Galatians. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Um, we're in the last, essentially the last chapter of Galatians, uh, with a little bit of chapter 5, all of chapter 6. And for those of you who aren't as familiar with Galatians, first you should say you're sorry. Um, the book of Galatians is probably to the Gaelic peoples of Asia Minor and who had been led astray by the um, uh, Jewish Christians who wanted to insist that Christians had to keep the law. You know, like most Christians do today. And uh, Paul goes after them very aggressively, and by the end of chapter 5, he has that famous section, what it is, the works of the flesh, they're plain, these are they, the fruit of the Spirit is plain, this is it, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, you've heard that list, and that's right before where we're starting here. It's the next verse. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us have no self-conceit, no provoking one another, no envy of one another. Okay? Now I want you to, the reason I had that, I could have started with verse 1, it would be tidy, chapter 6, verse 1. But I want to read this verse because I think Paul's thought is using those quantities, self-conceit, provocation, envy. One of the basic problems with the church, many Christians, many churches, liberal, conservative, no matter what the doctrine, there is a, we're in the business of good, right? good as a commodity. Religion is there to help people be good. But what the church has become is about good, not good. This is the problem. And when we go to a church, we wonder if it's about good too. Not good, but is it about good? And that's really, frankly, how the rest of the world thinks as well. We're no, being no different than non-believers when we think that way, measuring people by how good they are. Challenging them, much like Satan does, you know. I bet you Job would deny you if life was hard for him. Provocation. Envy, people, all these things are the moods that come on you when you're in a body or in a Christianity that thinks about measuring goods not being good. Being about good, but not being good. 
Because self-conceit, provoking people, and envy are all evil. But when you use them in this moment, in the church, when you use them in the church, it all seems like business as usual. I have heard people, I mean, talk about self-conceit. That means thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think. I have heard people in a free and open discussion with other believers bragging. I mean, really bragging. I have seen, you've probably seen more of this, people provoking one another. And then there are people who look at others and they envy their circumstance. And so what happens when you envy? You speak, talk smack about them, you, you tear them down, you try to undercut them, you try to match them, whatever it is. This is what runs the world. And it runs an awful lot of the church. Because we're content with being about good, not to being good. So when he steps into chapter 6, it has that famous passage about correcting somebody, which is one of those proof texts that we go to when someone says, well, my friend is, has got a problem with... Uh, we were in a conversation this week with some dear friends and, uh, who had a ministry situation with a woman who claimed to be a Christian who was a drunk. I mean, publicly drunk. Every time... His Christian friend saw her. She was under the influence where you would worry about whether she would drive anywhere. And they wanted to know what to do. How do you, we, we're often in that situation. Have you ever noticed somebody else's sin? I, I'm sure you have not, but let's try to imagine that you notice somebody else doing something wrong. This is the danger spot, folks. When you notice somebody else doing something wrong, man, that's... That's like a high and lofted moment of goodness because you are shocked. You are shocked that they have done something so evil. And you, and, and you, and you need to deal with it. You need to, you need to go speak to them. You need, you need at least to go speak to your friends about that. And call it counseling or call it uh, seeking counsel. You have... You have all sorts of ways of dealing with being about good that you descend. What is gossip? It's about good, isn't it? And about people being bad. And you can tell yourself, that's what I'm doing when I gossip, is I'm about good. I'm virtuous. So when somebody is in sin, what do you do, Evan? What do you do? Paul says, brethren... If a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. It's almost as if he's not talking about correction. Because he's talking about being no self-conceit, no provocation, and no envy. And then in the middle of this, and th th remember there are no chapters in the original letter. There are no verses in the original letter. He says, if, if someone is in, in, in sin, yes, that happens. He's really talking about you, not about the guilty person. 
He's talking about your relationship to goodness. Are you about it? Because when somebody else is in sin, we can be about it all day long. Because there's a certain absolution we feel, certain grace we give to ourselves, that if we can talk about somebody else's adultery, we're innocent. We get absolved by our ability to point at something that is sin and call it sin. But what does Paul say? He says, no, if, if somebody is, has sinned, who is the first really about? You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. The stressors seem to be about the person who has seen the wickedness. That he be spiritual, she be spiritual, that they be gentle. Because why do I think that? Because the next line, look to yourself, lest you too be tempted. This is a concern. The, the basic, as I was looking at this passage, there even seems to be some contradictions in it. And we'll go into that. But <clears throat> it was so actually confusing that I had to parse out in my mind what is really going on here. And I think what's really going on is Paul saying, let's be, a, let's be good. Let's not be more a, a church that is more... Uh, you might say flagrantly about good. We don't want to be so much known as a church of good people. We want to be a church of good people. Okay? Because as soon as it's a matter of being known as a church of good people, man, we can have committees and plannings and task forces and programs that talk about Stop the sex trade. Get a t-shirt. Help the downtrodden. Yeah, we could do that. We will be known to be about goodness. It's far more important that you be good. And when the low-hanging fruit of somebody else's guilt is right there in front of you, when somebody's overtaken in a trespass, you check. Your, your responsibility is to, one, have no self-conceit, no provocation, and no envy. Two, you better be spiritual, and it better be accurate, right? You who are spiritual, you don't get to say, well, I think about spiritual things. I'm kind of spiritual. I'm not really religious. I'm kind of spiritual. No, spiritual, like St. Paul would mean spiritual when he says it. That means you looked inside yourself and, you know, said... Oh, some of you are married, right? Have you ever had a, a kind of a, oh, I don't know, a disagreement? Um, perhaps a, a moment where the spousal unit, just for instance, to say it was the wife, was completely being difficult. Doors were being maybe shut with a more vigor than, than Christ allows. And you're the, you're, nobody else has seen this grave wickedness. You're the husband. And you say, well, I'm, I'm, supposed to, I'm supposed to do something, right? Well, just because, just because I am her husband or his wife doesn't absolve me of not being self-conceited, not provoking, and not 
being envious of one another. And I should be, if I were to correct someone, I need to be spiritual. Because nothing is more satisfying to a woman going through a difficult moment. We'll just say having her special dispensation from the Almighty to set up a storm. And uh, to have her husband come to her, who's a bit of a toad, um, talking to her about her godliness. Right? What's that? I, th- I, I, I think it's one of the most... There's a few brilliant things that have come through the internet. And one of them was, all you have to do, if, if your wife is having a problem, is explain to her that she's probably overreacting, and she will say, well, yes, I probably am. And it'll all be better. <laughs> now, r- midway through that, you know, you could feel the, the, the two-by-four landing on the side of your head as the wife explained to you how that's not how it works. Now, of course, the wife's in sin on this. We know that. I mean, because that's without saying. But the corrective spouse is supposed to be spiritual. Because Paul is more concerned, not that the bad person get corrected. You love watching those shows, you know, somebody has a meth problem and the family gets around and does interventions. Oh, everyone loves to be at those. I get to write out all the insults I need to give to you. I think the world of you, but you are a piece of work. Oh, everyone loves to be involved in that. Other people sin. Let's have this church be about goodness, their goodness. And Paul says, if there's some problem with somebody else, you who are spiritual, in a spirit of gentleness, and even then, don't trust yourself. Look to yourself. Lest you too be tempted. Now, when you have this basic problem, now I don't know how many of you hold these sorts of views, so I don't know if this is actually going, oh, I agree with you, I, I see how that distinction is made, not about goodness, but goodness. It is very natural in the world when you see a good to insist that others be that good. To try to arrange it. This is why law comes on. We were talking about institutions last night in the family that have rules. Well, because if you have a certain good, you believe in it, you're going to insist on other people being good. You look out at society and you think people should be more sharing, so let's make people share. Well, it's like you know, mom making you say thank you. I, I don't recommend it. What? Because I would rather have the child be good than about good. I don't want to train them to be little hypocrites. Say thank you to your grandma. And mean it. You just punish them for not being thankful. So you'll think of it. You'll think of it. It'll be good here. Eventually. We think we're about good when we can force other people to be good like we want. We can occupy our whole lives in gossip, provocation, setting up distinctions about good. You guys are not doing it good enough. You talk about another church. 
It says here, verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And when he's talking about the law of Christ, there is this, in Paul, that's the law of liberty, the law of Christ, the law of love. It has to do with real real righteousness. If you were to bear someone else's burden, not become the corrector of all men. Not, I've got to fix it. Something's broken in the church and I've got to fix it. You probably have met people like that. I don't know if you ever suspected you were someone like that. Bearing someone else's burdens is not just the phrase we like to use when we're shoving our way into somebody else's struggles. You don't... That is an act of love, not an act of... um, The same act could look or, or look exactly the same, even though someone is doing it out of invasion, provocation, envy, conceit, and love. We're supposed to be involved in people's lives, but you want to hear what comes next. For if anyone thinks he is something, he says, encourage you to bear one another's burdens, right? Because someone has overtaken trespass. You are spiritual, gentle, look at yourself likewise. It's fulfilling the law of Christ to invest yourself in somebody else's life, but it has to be spiritual, gently, and watching out for yourself. Because he comes back around to that theme of what you're like, what the corrector is like. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each one test his own work, and that is reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Listen to this, in bold, for each man will have to bear his own load. It's like he's talking about the care for the other person, the correcting of the someone else. This is not, that Galatians 6 is not about, uh, how does the Christian correct somebody in sin? Oh, you could use it that way. I don't have a problem. You have used it many times that way. But that's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about correctors, not guilties, to not become the kind of difficulty in the church. Talking to a friend uh, last few days who ended up having to leave a church of many, 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 many years because someone just a pastor went crazy over some disagreement. We know that people get conceited. We know that they provoke one another. And we need to really straighten out how we think about righteousness. I want you this church to not be thinking about whether we're for the good or about good. I don't want you to ever think that because the pastor regularly talks about, say, righteousness or holiness, that is the deal. The church represents holiness. Because we got all sorts of representations of holiness in the history of Christianity with very little holiness. 
The Lord wants us to be about holiness. You will have to bear your own load. In some ways, we like the way the world is. There's an there's a app. I don't want to be relate to the youth, but my daughter recommended an app to us when we were driving through the city. What's it called? Begins with a W? Ways. Oh, they, I get it. See, they spelled it differently. Like W-A-Y-S. There will be a special ring in hell. Oh, there was an awful thing in the Tri-Cities we were driving through yesterday. There was a church. There was a youth uh, banner for the church. And it was called, Dear Heavens, Wildfire. Now, bad enough. Yeah, I know, right now. You're going, oh, really? Christians? Misnaming some event? They spelled it with two Y's. Wild with a Y and fire with a Y. I nearly stopped the car, went in there, and shot the pastor in the leg. I mean, that, that's. I said, we don't have the time for this, got to get to Panda Express, but this man deserves the punishment of God. You know, some guy who probably thought that up is some, you know, two years from now going to be out on SoundCloud trying to get some growth and some edification. He's going to click on this sermon. He's going to find his moment of genius mocked in a church in Idaho. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. We have all sorts of ways to think about the good and not be good. Design a church to be about the good and not be good. Have pastors who talk about the good, who are rigorous. Have you noticed how many of the, the, the high-flown pastors who've fallen dra- dramatically were not so much the liberals? They were the guys who were talking about goodness all the time for everyone else. Because everyone knows that religion is about goodness. But the Lord says, you know, you want to be about your goodness. Being good. Each man will have to bear his own load. Verse 6 seems to be misplaced. Let him who is taught the word share all good things with him who teaches, which as a pastor I like. I like, I feel fond about that verse. I want to thank St. Paul someday for that verse. Um, But this is how we need to hear verses. I don't, pastors like that verse. Kind of like husbands like, wives submit yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord. They love that verse. And wives love the verse, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. What? What? Well, everybody likes the verse that's about somebody else's holiness. That's the old Ambrose Bierce thing. The, the, uh, the definition for a Christian is one who thinks the Bible is the inspired word of God and admirably suited to the spiritual needs of his neighbor. We're about, we think because we're about their goodness and correcting them that we're about goodness. We're not. So, I'm not supposed to think about that passage because it's not to me. It doesn't say those who teach should share things that are good to people they're teaching. Then I could listen to the passage and go, okay, yeah. 
That's, I, I, should, I should learn from that. I should learn the goodness that is there. See the goodness that is expected of you. Stop and say, okay, I don't know what it means to share all good things, but hey, I heard a joke. Oh, yeah, Rebecca shared a, a, a joke with me on the way in, because we're that kind of church. Um, and it was funny. No, I won't share it. Um, is it that kind of thing? Or telling a good story, or, or, or victory in your life. Anything but find the obedience. You are to be good. You're told in many places what that good looks like. It's going to look like love, it's going to look like joy, it's going to look like peace, it's going to be patient, it's kind, faithful, gentle, faithful, earlier in the passage, in fact. What does your goodness look like? But too often, once we set up a system just like the world, where we're measuring other people's goodness and being measured for goodness by other people, where it's all a matter of conceit, provoking, envy, we designed the same sort of system in the church. And we think we, our goodness is what we collect, what we pick up, what we have name associated or, or ideas associated with us or program associated with us. Do not be deceived, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Don't think that you can set up some replacement for good that looks just like it and even addresses the same points. Because you can do a long book study on love. Right? Long. Like Lewis's The Four Loves. And you can, you can tell every passage of scripture on love. We can be about what God is. God is love. We can be about it all day long. But the Lord says, don't be deceived. God is one. God is not mocked. What a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Earlier in the passage, he says, the works of the flesh are plain. Immorality, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, dissension, party spirit, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. That is the work of the flesh. So, we sometimes design for the church a pattern and a reverence and a virtue of good that we live at, we direct ourselves at, in an evil way. Don't be deceived. Don't think you can just do this sleight of hand. And yes, we, we. Um, have you been to a more churchy church? I've been to a. And even the hand expressions of pastors, because of the more priestly class type of thing, you know, they will stand there like this. Don't you feel a little bit holier right now? <laughs> And in a more Baptist church, you've got to get the big gestures and the big gest or a floppy enough Bible. And I got a new, you know, leather cover on it a number of years ago, and it doesn't look that. It's like a board. Well, Billy—that's Billy Graham. Billy's Bible would do that, you know. And you go, "Oh my heavens!" Now that's 
We, we have all kinds of showmanship that says, we're about goodness. See, because St. Francis would stand like this in all the pictures. We'll get to him later. Don't be deceived. God's not fooled by your, your robe. God's not fooled by your tie or your lack of a tie in my case. We're not about goodness. We're supposed to be good. Because what you sow, you will reap. Don't be deceived. If you're about a world about goodness, now I don't know what to think about sanctuary cities. I said, where'd that come from? Uh, but mostly I don't mind if someone gave someone sanctuary. But there's so much sanctimony in the thing. So much. We're so full of ourselves. We're so much about goodness. And that's a worldly version. The non-Christian, the Christian, non-Christians do it. The Christians do it. We're supposed to be good. And don't think our God is going to miss out on it. The fact that you don't understand this, you say, I'm not even sure I get this. Such a slight distinction about good or good. Doesn't matter what you think, God is good. And he is going to judge you and give you the reward for what you did. If you sowed to the Spirit, you know that other list? Love, joy, peace, that list. If you sowed to that, if you were saying, you know, really, I'm, I'm supposed to be less about going to correct my brother who's in sin, and more about being sure that I don't judge myself as being above myself, that I really am spiritual, I really am gentle, I'm not going to be stumbled by it. Yes, you could correct them, yes, you could help them, but really only the godly, not the most about godliness people you know. How do we see it happen? You see it happen with people who can't seem to find a good enough church, right? The church that has enough, the church that's enough about them being given articles of goodness, things that are good for them. If you think about your Christian life, was you being called out of sin and into his marvelous life? You, not being evil anymore and being forgiven so that you could be holy. Not so that you're not evil anymore so you could go to a group where people do good things to you. We're not here to do good things to you. We're here to rejoice in the goodness God gave us each. And you could leave a church because nobody agrees with you. I would have left this church long ago because <laughs> nobody agrees with me. I think my wife a lot of the times. But you know people who can't seem to, they're looking for the perfect church because for some reason the pastor didn't go to the seminary of Evan Wilson. Or people who are so involved in the ministry of the church, they're carrying every inch of gossip load that there is available. Luckily, as a small church, we don't have a lot. But, watch out. Are you the kind of person that thinks you can step into the goodness performance of a church? So then, oh, verse 9, excuse me. So, and let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Let us not grow weary in well-doing. Let's be good. So then, as you have opportunity, let us do good to all men, 
especially those who are of the household of faith. It doesn't say, let us represent good in their lives, let us be Alexander the Corrector, let us be ready to reprimand, let us do good. And if I were motivated by goodness, already spiritual, already gentle, already full of love, before I talk to anybody, aware that I could be led astray because it's most important to me because I stand before God representing my goodness. I don't stand before God representing, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? And he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. What they were doing, making things better in the situation, out there fixing people, counseling See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Is that Isa? Make her stop! See with what letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that would compel you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who receive circumcision do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. Now this is a particular situation that is infecting the uh, Galatian church about the Jews who wanted to make the Galatian Gentiles take on Jewishness. The outside apparent look of Jewishness from people who didn't actually keep the law, but in all the obvious decorative elements. Have you ever noticed that in a liberal, theologically liberal church, a theologically liberal church, they never give up the robes. They will keep the robes forever, amen. They will deny that Jesus Christ is Lord, raised from the dead, God himself. They'll deny all that. They'll deny the creation, they'll deny all sorts of things, but they will keep the roads. Because those are things that, are, that give them credits in the world. A showing in the flesh. These Jews were very concerned, these Christians, that we take on the sign physically that the Jews had. And they wanted more people to join in with that because when you show that you're good people, because again, it's about goodness, not about being good. Got to look good. That was uh, David Lee Roth at the MTV Music Awards. Camera came up to him because he looks like a rock and roll star, and, and he has that David Lee Roth voice, and he's, and he's up for some award, and he says, as my pappy used to tell me, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose, it matters whether you look good. That's David Lee Roth's philosophy. I don't follow him, I follow Christ. But we think in some ways that even the showing in the flesh, the, 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 down to the decoration of the building, the robes of the participants, the, or the prescribed clothing, whatever it may be, we want to look. Because we want to have a showing in the flesh that represents goodness, so these are people who don't even keep the law. Oh yeah. 
These are not people that if you went into their homes, you would be wonderfully blessed by the peace of that home. But they wear the robes. But they wear the suit, whatever the, doesn't matter what the thing is. The circumcision suit, robes. Far be it from me. Listen to this. This is how you should be thinking. Just like it tells you, let us have no self-conceit up at the top. Then it tells you how to think here. Far be it from me. That means I want every one of you to consider your measure of goodness. Do you want to be primarily struck with how everything, say, all souls believes is, represents good? Well, we hope to, but I sure don't want you to be measuring that. I want you to be measuring you. Because God is not mocked. Don't be deceived. You'll get what you deserve. Doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter how well the church will hide your sin in a program. Far be it from me to glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. They're glorying in what they can make look good. Can the church be made to look better than it is? Oh, you betcha, that's what they've done. This is why you're confused when you look at church history. Because they, the PR of the, of the group, like every group, it's not just the church, the U.S. military or, or, or uh, the, the communist movement, I don't care what it is, whatever movement, they have a PR business of making everything look like we're the good guys. We're the good people. And then you dig in under the surface and it doesn't take long. It doesn't take long to start counting up the dead bodies of communists that were killed by Stalin. It doesn't take long to see under the surface at the lives of people you thought were the righteous in your faith. Because we believed those who gloried in the flesh, who wanted a good showing in the flesh. Far be it to me, from me, to glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Got that? Do you glory in that? In nothing but that? By which the world has been crucified to me and I, I've made that bold, to me and I, to the world. Not we, not this group, not the principle of this movement, that we, marching together into the new century for Jesus Christ, are gathered together to uh, extol the cross of Christ. No. Me and I. It's this way to me. It is I who do this. It's about you individually. It's not about us. I trust that this will be a good church when all of us individually become good. Because the world has been crucified to you and to me. And I, you individually, I individually, to the world. We've died to it. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision. Paul just, Paul just says, yeah, there's a, you don't say, I, uh, we don't, I don't wear robes. I, I don't know if you noticed that I don't wear robes. I don't wear robes. And I could easily get off on a hobby horse about that. But Paul says, eh, not robes. 
Rogues and not rogues. Because everything we do, we have to be a little suspicious of. Because the whole world is being driven by the energy of misplaced virtues. We're... Uh, We don't want to have any kind of thought that people think that this church points to virtue, family values. That we have ministries being run about those topics, the things that we're really concerned about, oddly enough, about what's really trendy right now. It will not be, in 10 years, you will not remember the sex trade. You say, I don't even think about that. No, I mean, in terms of what is the mission of the church. Because it's going to change. I'm 62. I've seen a lot of missions. And people have moved as the world applauds circumcision. As people say, I want to make a good showing. I've got to have a good showing. Let's go, let's go do this goodness. So what counts, for neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, comma, bold, red, but a new creation. So, it's not that you get to be some scruffy, difficult, and I, and I could very easily pass for scruffy and difficult, sort of curmudgeonly, yeah, here at all souls, we don't take any of that nonsense, any church business. Some uh, woman was visiting the church, uh, uh, and she said, I was, I was praying that this church would not be religious. And you, you, you were not religious. I hope they come back. Because we're not religious. But how tempting would it be to go, robes, deeper walk, no robes, we just spit on everything because we have that kind of ad. No, a new creation is what we are. That means... We don't get to show how godly we are because we're against the falsity of godliness. That's not godly either. Godliness is godliness. As it says in, what is it, 1 John, he who does right is righteous. That's the definition of being righteous. He who does right is righteous. A new creation, is that verse out of, of 2 Corinthians 5? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Have you been reconciled? Have you been... Is, this is what the Christian life is, is to be made good by becoming new creations. Then look at verse 16. Peace and mercy be upon all who walk by this rule. He's just been telling the Galatians, against the law, you are not saved by the law. This is the rule, the new creation rule, that you will pass from death to life by your faith in the only Son of God to make you good, you particularly good, not in a group that is about good, but you good. You forgiven, and then you holy. And the reward is, if you walk by this rule, you will have peace and mercy to you. You are the Israel of God. Have you ever heard people talk about 
the church is the new Israel? Yeah, but not that church. Not the church of history. That's not the new Israel. That's the church of sin. That's the church of people being about good but not being good. This is upon the Israel of God. The mercy and the peace are on the Israel of God, those who walk by this rule. That nothing is done for show. Nothing is done for decoration that is claimed to be the thing itself. But a new creation. Are you a new creation? Henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. And that verse, by the 1200s, had become the cause celeb because Francis of Assisi got the stigmata. You know what the stigmata is? It's the marks, the wounds of Christ at the, at the Passion. He's got the nails, holes, and a spear thing on his side. 1200 years later, St. Francis, loosely saint, gets the stigmata. And it's off this verse. I bear on my body the marks of Christ. He took a passage, or people have justified his supposed stigmata, on this passage where it says, I don't glory in the flesh. I don't want to have a showing in the flesh. I only glory in the cross of my Lord Jesus. And if someone grabs that and says, and it's apparent wounds on my flesh, which is a message that I'm really deep about God and his sufferings, the world has been, that's showing that you're not crucified for the world. It's all about crucifixion. It means that you're all about what the world thinks of crucified saviors. What the world thinks about um, piety. And the question is, there is the marks, there are the marks of Jesus that Paul says he bears the marks of Jesus and he says henceforth, which means that he's talking off of those who walk by this rule, that I glory in the cross of our Lord Jesus and the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Not in some sort of metaphor of of marks of crucifixion, but really being a new creation. The new creation is listed in chapter 5. You have ample time in your life to read it. Go back and read all of the book. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful. Keep us good and striving to be good, not being about good. Keep our heads clear on this matter. Help our new creations. Your work of your Holy Spirit in each of us be vigorous. And that we'd bear each other's burdens. We'd share goodness with each other. We'd be loving to each other because of goodness. Keep us from deception and your judgment. In your Son's name, amen.